Welcome to another podcast edition of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. Today it is Tuesday, June 5th, uh, 2018 as I record this. And we're going to talk about things that have happened over the last week in the world of SEO. For the first time ever since doing my newsletter, and I've been doing my newsletter for, well, this version of my newsletter for a couple of years now, I actually don't have a major algorithm update to mention. Um, so we'll talk a little bit about some of the past algo updates. We're going to talk a lot about the uh, Yoast scenario. If you use the Yoast SEO plugin, you're going to want to pay attention to this. There are a lot of people claiming that their rankings have dropped as a result of using Yoast and a, a bit of a, a mix up with the, the plugin. Um, I'm going to give my thoughts on that. We'll talk as well about an interesting disavow case. Uh, I'm seeing more and more evidence now that perhaps we need to be doing more disavow work for some sites. So I'll give my thoughts on that. And then we'll talk about a number of things that uh, are important for you to know if you are at all involved in digital marketing. So let's start as we usually do with algo updates. I, the way that I determine whether there is an algorithm update uh, when I do this newsletter is I look back at all of the uh, sites that I have access to in either Google Analytics or Google Search Console, which over the years of doing site reviews is, is quite a few sites. There's, there's hundreds of sites in there. Um, and I can usually determine whether there is a particular day in which a number of sites saw gains or losses. And uh, the only date that really stood out over the last week for me was May 28th. There were a number of sites that saw traffic drops. However, that was Memorial Day in the States. And I think that most of these traffic drops that we're seeing are seasonal. So we'll pay attention to this. Um, I'm still gathering information about the previous week. There was an update around May 24th, and I'm still on the fence about this, but I do think that that was a link-related update. It may have been a couple of things that were going on. Um, so you're going to have to stay tuned for that because I, I don't have a lot of extra information. I find it often takes three or four weeks for the requests to start coming in. Um, I mean, some people obviously are going to notice right away that their traffic has dropped. Uh, there are other people that probably look at their drops and say, well, maybe it's temporary. Let's wait and see if this sorts itself out. Let's fix a couple of things. And then after a few weeks have passed, then they'll reach out to people like myself. Um, and so as I get more requests for help with sites that have dropped uh, in the May 24th update, because I think that was a significant one, I will keep you updated on what types of sites are um, we're seeing being affected. I uh, just wanted to mention as well that we are uh, doing really well with our new service where we can monitor your Google Analytics for you and let you know whether you've been affected by uh, a date on which we think there was a Google update. So if you're interested in that, mariehaines.com slash contact and I can, uh, I can get you added to, uh, to the list. Um, so let's talk about things that were in the newsletter. One thing, if you use Google's structured data testing tool, apparently it's not working and it's been down for at least a week or so now. Um, so if you're having problems with that, it's not you, it's Google. Uh, similarly, Google Search Console, if you look at crawl stats, which are very interesting, and I, I want to do some more research into 
what crawl stats are doing for sites that are affected by major algo updates. I know in the past, I remember Alan Blayweiss noted that before a panda update, a lot of sites would see a massive spike in crawl activity. This was years ago. I want to say this is maybe four or five years ago. Uh, I know at that time when I looked at sites that I was reviewing that were affected by panda, I really didn't see a consistent pattern of uh, more crawl activity before you were hit by an update, but things may have changed. So perhaps in the future, I'll, I'll take a look at that. Um, bad news about stumble upon. Uh, if you've been doing SEO for years, you remember the days where you would try really hard to get into stumble upon. I remember buying views and stumble upon and I'd pay, gosh, like maybe $5 and get thousands of people to come to my site. But the traffic was horrible. It, it would stay there for maybe two seconds or so. And then people would bounce off onto something else. Um, so I had not heard anything about stumble upon, but apparently after 16 years, they're shutting down now. Um, there's something in the newsletter about uh, a thread in the Google help forums where somebody was asking about uh, page load time and they noticed that there was a particular script that would cause Googlebot to, to take a really long time to download a page. And so the question that was asked of John Mueller was, should I block Google from seeing this script? And that would therefore increase your page load time in terms of Google's page speed insights and, um, you know, make it look like your page is loading faster. And John uh, was not a fan of doing this. He reminded, he didn't use the word cloaking, but it really sounded like he was talking about cloaking. If you are showing Googlebot something different than you're showing users, then you can be seen as cloaking. And that is um, uh, something that can get your site or your page penalized. So you really don't want to do that. One of the things that John suggested was maybe to look into loading that script asynchronously. Um, and there's all sorts of plugins if you use a WordPress site uh, that will do that. I know I use one and I, the name escapes me right now, but I use one that allows me to choose which scripts on a page are loaded initially uh, upon the page um, being opened and then which scripts uh, are loaded after the main content has been loaded. And so if that's something, if you do find that there are scripts that are slowing your page down, um, you know, that's something you can do is look at maybe loading it after the content has loaded. The other thing too, and I've said this before, is that you really want to look at, do you need that script on every single page? I see so many WordPress sites that perhaps have this massive bloated script for a slider and you're only using the slider on your home page, yet the script is loaded on every single page. And so some of these plugins can do things where they can say, look, we don't need to load this script on this page. Uh, and then that can help improve your page load time. Um, we'll talk also about another thing that was in the Hangouts. Uh, somebody was asking about the mobile interstitial penalty. And this is a weird penalty because when it first came out, the whole idea was that if you load an ad that takes up the majority of the screen on mobile, um, as soon as users land on your site, then that's something that Google could penalize you for on mobile. The problem is though that it doesn't seem to, the algorithm doesn't seem to work. I know Glenn Gabe was keeping a list of hundreds of sites, I believe it was hundreds of sites, that really should have been negatively affected by the mobile interstitial algorithm update and they weren't. Still, there are some sites that can be affected. So this question was about different ways you could put content on the screen and Google has always said, you know, if you have to put content um, in some form of a, a form of a pop-up on mobile, 
then do it in a way that it doesn't obstruct the whole screen. So maybe just use the bottom third of the screen, uh, something like that. And so somebody had asked, well, what about other options? Um, perhaps you could show the pop-up on scroll. So once the user has scrolled down and taken in a certain amount of content, or on a delay. So once the user's been on the site for a certain number of seconds. And this was interesting to me. John actually said that both of those could trigger the interstitial algorithm. You really want to be certain that um, the user has a time to, uh, to, to really, really ingest, uh, digest the content. Um, he said both scroll, this is a quote from John, both scroll and time-based are also things that we would consider blocking the initial view of the page. So that is something that I would be cautious with or really set a high threshold so that users can really see the content on the page. So if you have mobile pages that are really, really struggling to rank, that's something to look at. I know the mobile interstitial algorithm is not working for everybody, uh, every site, but it could be something that could be suppressing some sites. Um, Google Search Console. So most of you are probably using the new beta Google Search Console. And unfortunately, there's so many things missing in uh, beta Search Console. There's no way to download links. Um, you know, the, the security section's not there. There's no manual actions. So according to Jenny Hallis, um, quoting John Mueller, she had said that it might be a year or so before all of these features are moved over. So make sure you keep using the old Search Console as well. Um, not sure why Google didn't uh, wait to be able to implement all of these. Um, I think they're still trying to figure out which things actually do need to be moved over. Um, the one thing that I'm most upset about losing is the keywords on the page. We used to have in Search Console uh, the keywords that Google thought your page was about. And I found that super useful and then they, they retired that. So if there's something in Search Console that's in the old Search Console that you really like and is not in the new Search Console, make sure you're vocal about telling John Mueller, leaving feedback, um, because it's possible that we might lose some of this stuff that Google currently gives us. Let's also talk about Google Search Console in terms of ranking data. I hear SEOs say all the time that the ranking numbers in Search Console are way, way off. And I disagree with that. I think maybe that was the case years ago. I think that Google has gotten way better at determining um, what sites are, what you know, what queries are ranking in what position. And I usually find that it's pretty accurate. There can be some things that throw it off in terms of, um, if you see that you have a keyword that you're ranked apparently number one to three, four, but you know that you're not ranked organically there, it might be that it's an image that Google is seeing um, that's ranking well in image search. So sometimes things are off that way. But this was interesting um, a little uh, quote here again from, from John Mueller. He said, the data actually is pretty good. Um, he talked about how different analytics tools will measure things in different ways, so you might see some discrepancies between perhaps Google Analytics and what you're seeing in Search Console. But again, he said, in general though, especially when it comes to the number of impressions or the average ranking in Search Console, that is something that's actually pretty good and generally based on what we have seen users actually do. So I would say pay more attention to your ranking numbers in Google Search Console. Um, I think that, uh, I mean, there's all sorts of rank trackers out there, uh, but uh, I, I honestly, I mean, Search Console is free and uh, it's, um, I mean, it may not present data in uh, as pretty a way as some of the other rank trackers, but I still think it's, it's pretty good. I know a lot of SEOs will disagree with me on that, um, but 
I have pretty good trust in Google Search Console. Uh, speaking of rank trackers, I got an interesting email, and I'm sure many of you did as well, from Moz recently, saying that they were, they were going to retire their rank tracker. So this surprised me because I think a lot of people sign up for Moz just for the keyword tracking, um, and they say they're going to retire it. Now, I'm guessing that this may be because... As far as I understand, the only way you can get this data is by scraping Google, and that's against Google's terms of service. And so if you're doing that on a massive scale, then, you know, I think Google might be putting some pressure on Moz to, to stop doing this. Um, now, so they put the, the announcement, and there was massive outcry uh, uh, from people who did not want the rank tracker to be retired, and so apparently Moz is, uh, is keeping it. Um, so that'll be an interesting story to keep an eye on. Uh, I'm wondering, um, you know, if things are going to change, if the accuracy, I, I think some of this might have to do with accuracy too, because it's very difficult in some cases, if you have a keyword that's bringing up a local pack and a shopping pack and, you know, a number of different things, it can be difficult to track the organic rankings. Um, they can perhaps be obscured by a number of things. Somebody asked John Mueller whether PDFs are mobile friendly, and uh, he had said that, um, you know, Google doesn't, he can't ever recall, what did he say here, I'm pretty sure that we don't flag any PDF as mobile friendly, but he's going to double check with the, uh, the team. So, but he does also say mobile first indexing is independent of whether something is mobile friendly, which is confusing, right? We've talked about this in the past where right now for mobile first indexing in order, and my apologies, I'm going to get kind of technical here. In order for you to um, be moved into mobile first indexing, you basically just have to have the same content on desktop as mobile. Um, and so, you know, having PDFs is not going to stop you from getting mobile first indexing. With that said, PDFs take a long time to load. They're often not what the user wants to see. I mean, I've done this, uh, I know my children's school, every time they send me something, um, you know, instead of just sending me to a page on the website, they'll send me a PDF. And then I have to download that PDF. And if I'm on, if I'm not on Wi-Fi, you know, that eats up my data plan. So um, as much as you can, I would say that people should probably try to move away from using PDFs, uh, especially for your mobile sites. Um, SEMrush made an announcement that they have something new called Authority Score. So it looks to me like this is very similar to Moz's Domain Authority or Ahrefs has Domain Rank. And I'm sort of on the fence on this. I do use these metrics. I like to look at them on a broad scale. So if I see, have a client that has, I don't know, a Domain Authority of 30 and all of their top competitors have Domain Authority of 70 and, and above, then we know that, you know, it's going to be really hard for this uh, client to break into this space. Um, but I don't put a lot of weight in these scores. And if these scores are based on links, which really, I mean, these scores are meant to approximate page rank, right? But nobody outside of Google knows exactly how Google determines page rank. And I really think that Google's ranking now is so much bigger than page rank. They look at things like EAT and, um, you know, a number of other things to, uh, um, to determine which sites are best. And so if we're trying to make metrics based just on the links pointing to a page, that's kind of scary. The other thing too, now, 
I am a massive fan of SEM Rush. I use SEM Rush probably 10 times a day, um, but I am not a big fan of the backlink tool. Um, I, f- I get almost every week, I get somebody emailing me saying SEM Rush has told them that their risk of penalty is increasing. And when I look at the links, it's really these like spammy cruft links that every site collects, and they're not the type of links that Google would penalize. So. If this authority score is based on these link metrics, I have a little bit of concern that they may not be terribly accurate. With that said, I think, you know, SEMrush has done some fantastic stuff over the last couple of years. Uh, They're really pushing out a lot of good content. And like I said, 98% of their tool is absolutely fantastic. So we'll keep an eye on that for you and see if there's anything new that we should uh, report on in the future. Um, There was a really interesting uh, tweet here, and my apologies if I mispronounce your name, Fabrizio Ballerini, what a great name, Um, tweeted something about uh, Wikipedia having an analytics uh, tool, which I I had no idea. And I think that this could be interesting for doing competitor research. In the example that he gives, um, you can look at, uh, he put two big brands in, so Coca-Cola versus Pepsi, and you can see the... um, the trends in terms of visitor uh, information, people who are visiting these pages on Wikipedia. And so you can see which brands spiked at which time. So if you're involved in doing SEO for a big brand and you do any sort of competitor research, this is something that I'd I'd recommend uh, looking into. So let's talk a little bit about this disavow case. I talk about disavowing a lot. Any of you who have followed me for a while know that, uh, you know, for years, link audits were my main source of revenue. Uh, I did, um, in some cases, I would spend entire days just auditing links and filing disavows. And then when Penguin came out, uh, Penguin 4.0 came out, and Google said that Penguin no longer suppresses sites, I really stopped advising doing disavowing unless you had a manual action or you had a link profile that really looked like you should get a manual action. So I got a tweet um, this week from uh, Crystal Tost, my, again, my apologies if I've mispronounced your name, uh, where she was asking about um, a really interesting situation. There was a site that uh, moved to HTTPS and they forgot to move their disavow to HTTPS. Um, so if you migrate to HTTPS, you have to also upload your disavow file to the HTTPS version in Google Search Console. And so they didn't do that and the site saw a massive drop in rankings. Now, here's the thing. It's very hard to prove anything when it comes to disavowing because that drop in rankings, sure, maybe it could be because of links, but it could also be just because it was an HTTPS migration. Um, it could be that things were done incorrectly. I didn't review the, the site in question. Uh, it could just be normal. When you migrate to HTTPS, it can take days, weeks, or in a big site, even months for things to settle and for your rankings to return. However, what Crystal said was once she filed the disavow, rankings started improving almost every day. They haven't come back to where they were, but she really feels like this filing Oh, and I should also mention that this site previously had a penalty. So that means it had it had a link-based penalty, which means that it had a whole bunch of links that uh, were worthy of being penalized. Um, so this is the type of site where I would recommend filing a disavow. 
we have just completed a very large uh, link audit for a client that um, the client's currently just reviewing it. And uh, I'm thinking we'll probably be filing this disavow uh, this week sometime. And I'm really hoping that we'll be able to see, this is a site that we've been really struggling to um, help them to see improvements. And I feel like there's something holding it back. So it'll be interesting to see if this disavow makes a difference. And I just realized I didn't mention why would we disavow if Penguin is just ignoring these unnatural links. I thoroughly believe that there are other algorithms um, just for the situations where sites are actively trying to manipulate Google uh, that can cause Google to um, look at your entire link profile with distrust. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough thing to, you know, again, to prove, um, but we are finding we've had a couple of cases now where we filed disavows and really feel like we're seeing some good uh, improvement. Um, a few more cases and I'll write a, an article about it and uh, we can have more discussion on this. Uh, but there's more information on the newsletter um, on that case. Now let's talk about Yoast. So if you have a WordPress site, there's a good chance that you're using the Yoast SEO plugin. Yoast is a free SEO plugin and uh, it's been around for years and it does some really good stuff. I have it on all of my sites. There was a situation that came up though, apparently back in early March of 2018, there was something that went wrong with the Yoast plugin where it started to allow attachment pages to be indexed. So attachment pages are generally pages that contain an image or perhaps a video. Um, and the page itself would just be the image or the video. Um, and so those would be considered thin pages by Google because nobody wants to land on a page that is just uh, an image with no text or anything like that. Um, and so what people were saying was all of a sudden all these attachment pages got indexed and rankings dropped. So here's the thing. Yes, I do recommend that you uh, no index attachment pages like this. And if you are using Yoast, there's instructions in the newsletter and on Yoast's site themselves on how to um, fix this problem so that your attachment pages are no longer indexed. However, the problem is that this thing happened on March 6th and March 7th to 9th was probably the biggest algorithm update that we've had in the last year or so. Um, and so I think if your site, you know, if you use Yoast, well, most sites in that are WordPress use Yoast. So it's not enough to say, ah, I use Yoast and then I dropped in early March, so it's probably Yoast that caused it. I think that it's more likely that it's this algorithm update um, and Google confirmed this update. This isn't just like a bunch of sites got demoted because of the Yoast thing and uh, and then you know we called it an algorithm update. Google confirmed that they did do a, um, a major change in how they determine relevancy at the time. So if you dropped in early March, then I, I mean, yes, fix the Yoast thing, but I really do not think that that's the cause of your drop. I know there are a lot, there's a lot of discussion in Black Hat forums saying, you know, Yoast is in trouble and they've, they've you know, caused all these sites to have problems. Even on the Yoast page, uh, there's an apology there saying this should never have happened and we're so sorry that you saw drops in rankings. Um, John Mueller himself had, uh, he was asked in a, a hangout about this, um, and his comment was that it's very unlikely that these drops were due to this bug. So, um, again, I do think that you should do everything you can to, uh, to clean up those pages from the index. Um, Google has said many times that when they assess quality for a website, they're looking at all of the pages that are in the index. So if you have hundreds or thousands of pages that are image attachments, yeah, you want to get rid of those. 
Do I think that this is the main cause for all of the sites that saw ranking drops in March? I do not. Um, so uh, again, I think people will disagree with me, but I think that this uh, situation kind of got a little bit overblown. So that's all we have to talk about for this week. Uh, I would encourage you to find the newsletter at mariehaines.com slash newsletter. There's a free version that uh, absolutely anybody can read and it'll keep you updated with the algorithm updates and Google announcements. And then the paid version, which is currently $18 a month, um, has all sorts of stuff. Some of the stuff I've discussed in this, uh, this podcast uh, episode. Um, we also have some really neat tips on moving content that's ranking on page two up to page one, um, some link building tips for local SEO and a bunch of other things as well. If you ever want to reach me or uh, have my team and I do an assessment of your site, mariehaines.com slash contact, and we'll get you set up. I wish you the best of luck with your rankings this week, and we'll be in touch soon.